0: We continue the, our series called The Holy Ghost Stories, where we're looking at stories from the book of Acts about how the Holy Spirit was alive and moving in the, in the church. And also we're telling some Holy Ghost stories from within our congregation of how God is moving in the hearts and lives of folks here at Anderson Hills. We'll have one of those later today as well. You know, today we celebrate the, the best of who moms are, because in doing so, we learn about God, because God created us in God's own image, and so that means that at our best, we are demonstrating to others who God is. I know this weekend can be a challenging weekend as well. Perhaps uh, mom has gone on to be with the Lord, and we just miss mom, and, and would love to have another Mother's Day with her. Or perhaps there's some relational distance or other kind of pain from difficult memories and times. Uh, Whatever it is, we celebrate with those who celebrate. We mourn with those who mourn. That's biblical. And we give thanks to God for how God sees us through each and every season of life. So today, as we, as we look at the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to be talking about how God, through the Holy Spirit, empowers us as believers and empowers the church. I believe that the Holy Spirit empowers us to accomplish everything that God calls us to do. God's call will not take you where God's power will not sustain you. I believe that with all my heart. In fact, let's say that together. God's call will not take you where God's power will not sustain you. God empowers the called. So we can take a deep breath in and breath out and, and realize that God's got us. That God's call is not a scary thing for if God calls you to do something, God will empower you to do just that thing. God will strengthen you, and God will help you to do that. if you want to find good examples of empowerment, oftentimes we need to look no further than moms. Moms empower us to help us to grow, uh, to eventually to be able to become independent, to move out on our own and be able to do life that 's what what good moms do if uh, maybe you uh, maybe you had a mom like this, right the kind of mom who might have seen you as a child like Climbing up in that tree, right? And they look up at that eight year old version of you and they say, Listen here, youngster, if you fall out of that tree and break both legs, don't come running to me for sympathy. (laughs) Moms know how to empower us because they want us to succeed. You know, empowerment is a gift when you think about it, it really is. To be empowered by someone else to do something really is a gift because it shows they believe in you, they love you, they care about you, they want what is best for you. Good good managers or leaders empower their teams, good parents empower their children. Uh, We see good teachers empower their students to learn and to to go out and to apply that learning uh, in other ways. Uh, Good sports team owners empower their fan base by bringing in great talent, right? They make it easier to cheer for them. Or hypothetically speaking, they threaten to move their team to another city. That's just possibilities. I digress. In the book of Acts, we see many occasions of how the Holy Spirit empowered the apostles to build God's kingdom. In Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes down on the church in power, and and, it, and the Holy Spirit fills the believers, and there's tongues of fire over their head. They pour out into the streets, and they proclaim God's Word, and that day, 3,000 people come to Jesus. They're even speaking in languages that are not their own. It was an incredible and miraculous day. Then last weekend, Pastor Jonathan preached a great sermon on the, the spirit of revival, how the Holy Spirit came down in power again and empowered Peter and John uh, to speak to a man who had been crippled all his life, 40 years, he'd never been able to walk, and they speak to him, and they say, hey, we don't have any money to give you, but here's what we've got. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk, and he did, he did. God, God gives them this miracle, this sign of God's power to show that Jesus is alive. He may have been crucified. The Jews may have handed him over to be crucified, but he's not in the tomb. No, he rose up from the dead. He's alive, and he ascended into heaven. He's real, he's powerful, and he's with them. That day, the church grew to 5,000 people. So a revival is truly happening. But now in Acts chapter 4, the honeymoon has come to an end for the believers. For Peter and John have been arrested because when the Jewish leaders saw what happened and they saw this miracle, they saw the people just, just so excited about Jesus, they were threatened by this because they were the ones who had handed Jesus over to be crucified. And so the Jewish leaders are threatened by this and they're scared. They they bring in and, and this kind of sets up a, a pattern that we're going to see throughout the book of Acts. There's this, this pattern of empowerment that God will use to as He empowers the believers to serve Him. First thing that happens is persecution. we might say, Oh no, I, I don't like that. I I don't want to start there. Couldn't we start with something else? Or maybe we say, Oh, I understand persecution, I've I've been there. Like a couple weeks ago, Pastor John preached a long sermon. I got to the restaurant late. Somebody took my parking space. That's persecution. <laughs> not really. Not really. may have been lack of discipline on my part, but not persecution. The early believers experienced real persecution. They were arrested, sometimes beaten, put into prison, even, even martyred, killed for their faith. Imagine that. And the church today, they're globally, there's believers who experience this in our world. Persecution is a real thing. And it's a scary thing, a threatening thing. I don't want to experience it. You probably don't either. But you know, an interesting thing it's been said that the blood of martyrs is the seed of the church. That oftentimes the church has grown the most in times of persecution because it's at these times where there's a real sifting that happens, you you don't have any casual Christians when your life is on the line. And God uses these times of persecution to draw the church and the believers closer to him. Because persecution, it it leads to the second thing, which is prayer. The believers, as they experienced persecution, they cried out to the Lord for strength, for help, knowing that they couldn't survive this on their own. And and God responded, and God inspired them to take action, action that was empowered by the Holy Spirit, not just their own strength, their own energy, but actions that only God could have inspired them to do. And fourth, that led to God's blessing, God's blessing. And this blessing, it's not a cliche. It's not just something we say when somebody sneezes here, right? This is God's blessing empowering them, God blessing their work, God using them in so many incredible ways. We see this pattern in our own lives when we go through hard times. How do you respond when trials and opposition come your own way? I believe that the Spirit wants to empower you and me for action, much like the Spirit did with the believers. So in Acts chapter 4, Peter and John, they've, they've been arrested. And now they're going to stand before the council of rulers. Verse 5. The next day, the council of all the rulers and elders and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Annas, the high priest, was there, along with Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two disciples and demanded, By what power or whose name have you done this? Do you recognize these names? A few months ago, these were the people who were behind the crucifixion of Jesus, the exact same people that Jesus stood before as he stood trial. That's who Peter and John now stand before. Yeah, that was the night where Jesus had asked Peter and John to pray with him, and they had fallen asleep. While Jesus stood trial before them, Peter was outside at a distance And three times people approached him, once even a a servant girl approached him and said, hey, you knew Jesus, right? And he denied it, time after time after time. And now, Peter and John stand before these same people. Imagine how they must have felt. Imagine how terrified they would be knowing they too could be killed on this very day. But you know, that Peter and John who, did, who, were, who failed the first time around, they're different. They're different. Verse 8 tells us why. Then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit. Not Peter who tried a little harder this time. No, Peter filled with the Holy Spirit said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to you and all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man who you crucified, but who God raised from the dead. Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says the stone who you builders rejected has now become the chief cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. This is a powerful sermon. This is a gutsy sermon right here. This is Peter standing before the same people who had Jesus crucified and saying to them, look, you you did this. You handed God's Son over to be crucified, but here's the good news. Everyone can be saved. There is one name under heaven given among people whereby we must be saved. He remembered the words of Jesus when Jesus had said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. Jesus or Peter proclaims this powerfully to the Jewish leaders this day to say, look, Jesus He's not just a good guy. He's not just a good teacher. He's not just an interesting speaker. No, this is the Son of God. This is the way, the truth, and the life. He is who he says he is. And he calls everyone to repentance. What, or should we say, who made the difference? You see, for Peter and John, that two things had happened. For one, they saw Jesus Christ not only crucified, but risen from the dead. They saw the risen Christ, and they knew that he must be who he says that he is. Because when people die, they're dead. You don't just come out of the grave on your own power. Yet Jesus is God. He's God, and that power of the Holy Spirit raised him up from the dead. So they knew that he is who he says he is. And second, they received the promised Holy Spirit, just as God had promised, just as Jesus promised them. Now they are empowered by the Holy Spirit, where previously they were people who were trying to get all this stuff figured out, and they're trying to follow Jesus, but it's kind of confusing and all this stuff. Now they are filled with the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, and he's called them to preach. Peter's unashamed of the gospel. If it was the old Peter, he would have just said whatever he needed to do to keep himself out of jail that day. But not this Peter. No, this is Peter, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and it's different. Verse 13, the members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. These guys are pretty average in a lot of ways, but there's one thing that sets them apart. They've been with Jesus. They're different. They're different. Wow. Can people say that about us? Would your co-workers, your family members, your friends, would they say, you know, there's something different about her. She... Maybe not that she's like better than us, but Jesus, he's made a difference. I see the impact that Jesus has made on her life for his life. It's a powerful thing. They had been with Jesus. See, many of us, we define ourselves by our weaknesses, the things that we can't do. Oh, I'm not so good at this or that. I could could never do this like such and such or that like so and so. God can't really use me. It's not true. It's not true. In fact, in the Bible, it says this exact thing. It says, not by might, not by power, but by God's Spirit. God says that God's power is made perfect in our weaknesses So if you feel like you're not really well-equipped, friend, you are equipped because that's the starting point right there, to realize that if God's going to do anything, that it's going to be through God's power, not through my power or yours. Maybe you long ago rejected the idea that God could use you, but friend, you're mistaken. God can. God will. He wants to. God uses people all the time who are unqualified, beginning with every person standing in this pulpit and on this stage. None of us are here because we are qualified. We're simply here because we're empowered by the Holy Spirit. This gave gave the believers great boldness, boldness to share their faith. And God calls us to a boldness as well, the kind of boldness that would share your faith with a coworker, that would treat somebody right who may have treated you wrong, the kind of boldness that would cause you to live a holy life, that when you know you could get away with something wrong, instead you don't do it because you're empowered by the Holy Spirit to be different, the kind of boldness that would pray boldly for the sick, asking that God would heal them, the kind of boldness that would choose purity, the kind of boldness that would proclaim truth. The world doesn't know what to do with that kind of boldness, and neither did the Jewish leaders that day. Verse 16, they said, what should we do with these men? We can't deny that they performed a miraculous sign, and everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone. In Jesus' name again. <laughs> and there's their mistake. They think this is some propaganda. They think this is something you could shut down if you wanted to. Friend, if the Holy Spirit is moving, you're not going to stop it. You're not going to stop. And this is the power of God. And what we'll see through the book of Acts. Is that man will do everything he can to stop the power of God, and God will make the church explode regardless. This is God's will, God's work. If God is for us, who can possibly be against us? So they called the apostles back in and commanded them to never again to speak in the name, speak or teach in the name of Jesus. Peter and John replied. Do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? (laughs) We cannot stop telling about everything that we've seen or heard. They're not going to be shut up. They can't be shut up. Because what they've seen is something that is bigger than this world has. They have seen God himself raised from the dead. They've experienced the power of God And there's nothing that man can do to them that would stop them from sharing this. Peter and John, they had seen the risen Christ. They had seen him heal this man right in their presence. They could not shut up about it. They had to tell others. So when they returned to the other believers, they shared with them the news. What do you think they all did? Do you think they cowered and hid? Oh, no, we could be arrested too. Nope. Nope. They prayed. Once again, persecution, then prayer. Verse 29, And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done in the name of your holy servant, Jesus. After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They preached the Word of God with boldness. Remember a few weeks ago, we told you, you can experience the power of the Holy Spirit over and over and over. That When you give your life to Jesus, you're filled with the Spirit, but it's not a one-and-done thing. No, we can continually have experiences of the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And they, they, they went out, and they preached the Word with boldness. There was persecution There was prayer, and now there's action, and we see the blessing of God in their lives, the blessing of God that will use them to change the world. Friends, God calls you and me to respond as well. These Holy Ghost stories, they're not just old tales. They're not just old historical events. This is the same power that lives inside of me and you. God's not done using people. God's not done empowering people. This is not just a thing for the past. This is for you and me today. And no, it's not just something for the professionals who can work at a church. It's for all of us. It's for all of us. We all need the power of the Holy Spirit. We all need the move of God in our lives. I don't have anything to say if I'm not empowered by the Holy Spirit. All of us need the power of the Holy Spirit to move in and through us. What will be your Holy Ghost story? Who's going to be the the Peter or the John in your business, in your neighborhood, in your family? at your health club or your golf course or your tennis court, wherever it is you like to hang out, who's that going to be? God is calling and using you, empowering you. Maybe God has sent you there for that exact purpose, to be the, the Holy Spirit-empowered hands and feet of Jesus. I want to conclude today by sharing another Holy Ghost story from a member of our congregation. Uh, This is Angela Woodard, a, a mom who's empowered by the Holy Spirit, and she's going to tell you about how it changed her life. And the specific details of her call may be different than the specific details of your call or mine, but God works in and through her, and God wants to work in and through you as well. As we watch this, consider how God may want to use you.
1: As a little girl, a question that I remember getting asked the most was, what is it that you want to be when you grow up? And most of my peers had an answer to that question, like teacher or doctor or nurse. And my five-year-old self, I would have said, I wanted to be a singer on the radio. But as I grew up, I had a go-to response of just saying, I don't know. I don't know what I wanna be when I grow up. But the truth was, I did know I wanted to be a mom. And don't get me wrong, I had the career and a job that I loved for 11 years. But I also spent way too many of those years trying to find my worth and my identity in that job. The times in my life that I have felt the Holy Spirit speak to me the most have often been times surrounding motherhood. It all started when my husband and I got married And the doctor looked me in the eye and said, I'm sorry to say, but you will probably never have children. And a couple weeks later, we went to a healing service at my parents' church. And it was during the time that we went up to receive prayer that I felt God at work. Because the two songs that had just been played at my grandfather's funeral a few weeks prior were playing when we went up. The very next month, we got pregnant with our first son, Lincoln. Now fast forward a couple years, I'm at the peak of my career. I just received a promotion and suddenly I felt this nudge that I should have another baby, but also quit my job to be a stay at home mom. And I spent some time in prayer with a friend and during that prayer time, I heard the spirit speak to me. And he said, Angela, I'm going to give you another child. A couple months later, I got pregnant with our second son, Carter. And after having Carter, I quit my job. Now, walking in obedience to what the Lord was asking me to do, I also found myself in this situation where suddenly I'm at home alone with two small children, my husband's at work all day, and we had just moved to the east side and I didn't know anyone. Thankfully, I have two awesome neighbors, and they invited me here to Anderson Hills to attend the Mothers of Preschoolers group, also known as the Mops group. Now, about a year and a half into attending MOPS, I feel that same nudge and I hear that voice again. And this time the voice says to me, you're going to lead MOPS. My response was not so kind. It was more of a, God, are you crazy? Have you lost your mind? What makes you think that I can get in front of 50 women? I don't wanna do it. He kept nudging me. And he kept pursuing me. And here I am today, leading my third year of MOPs. All those moments leading up to today. And now instead of maybe waiting to occasionally hear from God, I pursue him. And I pursue what he wants for me. And I ask the Holy Spirit every day, what is it that you want me to do? Because you have my yes, no matter what it is. Because, God, I know that your ways are far greater than anything that I could have for myself. Now, I like to think of being obedient to the Holy Spirit, like throwing a rock into the water, and it creates this ripple effect. And you never know just how far those ripples will go or who they are going to impact. For me, as an everyday mom, I see them impacting my kids the most, I see my four-year-old Carter asking to pray for those who are sick or hurting without any prompting from me or my husband. And I see my seven-year-old Lincoln jumping up and down with joy, tears streaming down his face as I share with him that God physically healed me at the Holy Spirit conference. My husband and I walk a life of just diving into the word each and every day and asking the Holy Spirit to guide our lives in every aspect. Because we know that it not only impacts us, but it impacts our kids, and it's going to impact generations to come.
0: Amen. Ripple effects. Sometimes we look at the work of God in our lives and we minimize it. Nothing could be further than from the truth. You have no idea the ripple effects of how God can use your faithfulness. It may be very simple things that God calls you to do. God doesn't always call us to do what Peter and John did. That's their faithfulness. Thank God for it. Maybe God calls you to something like that. Praise God. Or maybe God calls you to a faithful, ongoing, humble obedience in your day-in, day-out life. Do that by the power of God. You'll never fully understand the ripple effects. I mean, we see this so obviously with moms, right? Moms who invest day in and day out in their children. Moms who who from from the, the diapers and the spit up and the chasing them down and the lack of sleep and all these things continue to love us so faithfully. And yet look at the ripple effects. All of us are here today because somebody did that for us. And imagine the ripple effects of your own faithfulness. Never underestimate what God can and God will do when you are empowered by the Holy Spirit and you act. That's exactly what God wants to do in in your life, in my life, and through our church. Would you pray with me? So come, Holy Spirit. Would you fill us as you filled the believers of old? Would you empower us as you empowered Peter and John? Would you empower us to be faithful, the kind of faithfulness that Angela shared about, the kind of faithfulness that year over year over year builds a church, builds families, builds lives? Come Holy Spirit and do that work in us. Won't you move? Won't you act? And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be faithful to you, that when you empower us, would you help us to be faithful to act out of of love for you and obedience for you. For we know, God, that when we trust you, that when we obey you, that you can and you will do great and mighty things through us. God, we pray that you would do that work Lord, we love you so much, and we pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.